Good clapping and singing. I'm, I'm guessing everyone is pretty well awake on this holiday weekend as we gather together. And it's always good to be reminded of the security that we have in a wonderful Savior. And it's so good to be reminded just through that image that Jesus is um, our lighthouse. And he's charged us to be the light of the world wherever we go as his light shines through us. So as you hopefully have a day off Monday and get to celebrate Labor Day. I'm thankful that out of the other opportunities you had to maybe go to the lake or the golf course that you chose to gather here with us. And so we are privileged um, to have you be a part of our fellowship today, whether you're joining us online or you're sitting here with us in person. Um, Welcome. We're glad you're here and we trust the the Lord will speak um, to your heart during the service. Um, I was thinking earlier as I was just in my office just wondering, you know, about what the day would bring. And just in my heart, there's just a sense of expectancy that, um, that the Lord is Lord's always faithful and the Lord is always present, but that um, this morning He wants to, to speak to our hearts and to, to move in us. And so just pray that God would give you a willingness, a, a humbleness of heart, just a receptiveness to what um, He wants to do. And so just exercise... Um, the freedom you have in Christ um, as, you, as you worship. Uh, may his, his presence bless you and provide encouragement if you're discouraged, strength if you're, you're weak, or if you're just struggling, maybe today you'll find um, that Jesus is the one who is our, our rescuer as we put our hope and trust in him. If you're visiting this morning, it's our, our great pleasure to have you, you join us. And um, I've met some of you, and we say you're welcome we're glad you're here. Thank you for joining us and welcoming you to our fellowship. There's a little card in our bulletin that I don't happen to have one this morning. It's called the Connect Card. It's a way that you can share information with us or ask questions from us and also a way that you can share prayer requests. So if there's something that we could pray with you about, just list that on the little card. And then in a few minutes when we pass around the offering plate, you can just drop that inside and those will go to the church office and we'll share those uh, via email, if that's appropriate, or if there's questions, we'll do our best to, to answer that. So let me do a, a little bit of 
answering some questions from things that are in the bulletin that you may want to know about. First thing, tomorrow the office is closed um, in observance of Labor Day. So if you have any church business, um, hopefully it can hold off until Tuesday. So the church office will be closed. And then this Wednesday, we will resume our 11 o'clock Bible study and lunch. Um, Since it's the first Wednesday of the month, we do ask that everybody bring a salad or something to share. It's a just a shared meal. We bring salads, sandwiches, desserts, cookies, whatever you want to bring, and we share those together. We start at 11. We have a time of singing, time of Bible study, time of prayer, and we look forward to gathering back together after taking off um, for the month of August. And then also on Wednesday evening at 6.30, we'll be resuming our regular um, prayer meeting. Again, after a month of of rest, we're going to get back together. We spend time in the Word. We spend time praying not only for individual needs, the needs of our church, but also our community and the world. And so we would love for you to take advantage of either one of those opportunities, either Wednesday at 11 or Wednesday at 6.30, and everyone is welcome to those. Also, just a little bit of a schedule change. Our our students, our youth, um, starting next Sunday, not this Sunday because of the holiday, will begin meeting on Sunday evenings um, at 4 o'clock um, from about 4 to 6 Um So that's a transition from Wednesday evening meetings to Sunday evening meetings. So if you're a part of that, just make note. If you have a a neighbor who's a teenager or a grandson or someone in your family, just let them know. They meet here at the church, starts at 4 o'clock, and they're done by 6 p.m. And so those are some things that you may note from the bulletin. You can consult the bulletin for other times and, and dates. And if you have any questions, you can just call or email the church office, and we'll get back to you on those. Um, I'd like us to... You ready now? Okay. Deborah may or may not have had an announcement, but now she has an announcement. So um, Deborah's going to come and share an announcement, and you can begin finding Matthew chapter 9 in your Bibles, because we'll be reading from there in just a moment. Sorry, he loves it when I interrupt him. <laughs> um, in the bulletin, I think it mentioned something about us having the Ladies Connect this Thursday. That is canceled. Um, Betty, that just joined a few weeks ago, her and her husband joined, um, she's on her way to the emergency room right now with hives. And she's gotten a cortisone shot for that, but it's gotten worse. And so be praying for her. Um, and so we'll reschedule that for another time. So we won't have Ladies Connect this week, okay? Thanks. Clap for that tomorrow. There's no Ladies Connect this week. You'll just be praying for Betty and Wayne as she deals with the hives. Um, Matthew chapter 9, we'll begin reading in verse 27. But I do want to give you just a, another word of encouragement. Hopefully you're still um, working through or have almost worked through your, your prayer guide with who's your one. Just asking you as a church family, as individuals, to identify that one person that is you have a close enough relationship with that you see on a regular basis that as far as you know, that person doesn't have a relationship with Jesus and you begin praying for that person. As the Lord gives you opportunities, you begin sharing with that person. person and the hope is, is that God will open their eyes. Um, they will see the the need that they have for a Savior in Jesus and put their trust in Jesus. And the exciting part of that would be is if God chose to let you be a part of that and you could celebrate that new life in in Jesus along with that person. So if you haven't started, it's not too late. If you started and kind of slowed down, no shame. Just keep plugging away um, and, and you can restart today. But just remember, as always, there's a call that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ, as followers of Jesus, to reach out to those around us. And we'll 
hear more about this this morning, but I want us to read in Matthew chapter 9 about Jesus' heart for those who are far away from him. But we're again reading in verse 27 and read a couple of the, the miraculous things that Jesus did. So verse 27 says this, And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men crying aloud, Have mercy on the son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all the district. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowd marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Gentlemen, will you come as we receive our offering today? Let's pray together. Lord God, as a body this morning, we bow before you and acknowledge that you are our Lord, you are our Savior. We humble our hearts and ask you to speak to us this morning. As we give these tithes and offerings, Lord, that is an acknowledgement that you own everything, even our very lives, Lord, that we would give to you with a cheerful heart and just remember that you are our Lord and that you are our Savior and that we thank you for your love and for your grace and for everything that you've done for us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Before I sing this song, I want to share a couple of verses. First um, Peter 5.7 you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for you are his personal concern. And Matthew 11:29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My prayer, um, this is from the point of view of God singing this over us to us and invite um, to cast our cares upon him. So my prayer is that um, God would minister to us this morning. Are you burned out on religious things? Are you worn down, lacking in peace? Take a real rest, 
in the pastures of my presence. You can be yourself and you can say what's on your heart. I already know it all. Doesn't matter what you say. Come and get away with me. I know where you are, where you've been and what you've seen. Doesn't matter how you come. Come and get away with me. Get away, get away with me. Are you It's not your job to shoulder all the weight. Let me do it. Let me come and take the lies you've been believing in. Truth is that you have a place to say what's on your heart. I Doesn't matter what you say, come and get away with me. I know where you are, where you've been and what you see. Doesn't matter how you come, come and get away with me. Get away, get away with me. Get away, get away with me. Grace upon grace upon grace, let it bleed. Get away, get away with me. Grace upon grace upon grace, let it Get away, get away with me. Grace upon grace upon grace, let it bleed. Get away, get away with me. Oh, there's more than you'll always need. Grace upon grace upon grace, let it Get away, get away with me. Say what's on your heart. I already know it all. Doesn't matter what you say. Come and say it all to me. I know where you are, where you've been and what you see. Doesn't matter how you come, come and get away with me. Come away, come away with me. Get away, get away with me. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us this morning?
you brought your Bible or your phone along, I hope you'll join me in finding Matthew chapter 10, and we'll begin reading there in verse 1 in just a moment, but I wanted to, to give you a, a sheep update. This might um, indeed be the last of the sheep um, updates, um, barring a miraculous escape, but one day this, after, this week I ventured out to the farm and I, I drove by the house where I suspected the sheep that were on the run were from and there was a truck in the driveway. And I'd already found out through a, a Google search that the home that I suspected the sheep belonged to was owned by a gentleman named Mr. De La Paz and sure enough he was there and um, I met him in his yard and he um, always liked to say to people, um, when they say, you know, please forgive me, my English is not very good, I always say back, no, it's not your fault, it's because my Spanish is terrible. And he spoke in some English and Spanish, and I spoke in, well, the best English I know how, and I understand a little bit of Spanish. And we came to the conclusion that, yes, they were his sheep, they were back in his sheep pen, and he told me to follow him, and he walked me back to the back of his property, and he showed me the hole where the sheep were escaping. He showed me the work he had done to patch it, and right outside the hole, you could see just a well-beaten path that went straight to our fence. And so you could tell they had used it for quite a while. And so as we were surveying his repair work, um, again, I don't know what the Spanish word for watch out is probably cuidado or something like that but he was alerting me to the fact that we needed to move quickly because while the ram is not very confident in the open pasture he's very confident in his sheep pen and and the best i could understand he was informing me that if we did not proceed toward the gate he had eyeballs on my hind end and wanted to greet me and so we quickly made it through the gate and you could see the sheep and and there's a big you know I can't say he was scary looking, but he was large and needed grooming, um, ram, and he was headed toward us. And so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about how the, the Bible talks about, you know, in John 10, Jesus talks about, you know, the sheep fold of the sheep pen, and how, you know, you enter through, the, the owner enters through the gate, the shepherd, and we certainly did that. But then I was also thinking about how those sheep sometimes lose their way because they don't stay in the protective place that the shepherd has provided. All that to say, we're going to talk about lost sheep this morning, not the kind that find their way into the pasture, but the people that we come into contact with on a daily basis. If you've ever been part of an organization or a building, you have probably at some point visited or left something at the lost and found. It's where things find their place when they're not claimed water bottles glasses keys if you go to any kind of camp socks underwear they're not mine in fact when i was in boy scouts we didn't have a lost and found we had a not mine and that was where all the things that nobody wanted to claim found themselves but you know something's valuable it's claimed immediately i mean people probably you know hopefully the owner but sometimes claimed by not the owner 
But many items, unfortunately, are never claimed in the lost and found. And they, they find their way either to the trash or if they're, they're donatable, they find their way to you know, Goodwill or some other place. And so think about that. Think about lost and found. But then I want to give you a contrasting picture. Think in your mind about a search and rescue mission. Someone is lost and they need to be found. And there is a great urgency because of danger. And immediately law enforcement, anybody involved, they get together all of their resources, they invest all of their time to find the person before it's too late. Now generally they have a photograph or an accurate description of the person. They know what they look like. They have a good idea where they were last seen. And they identify a target area and they begin to search that area. To search and rescue that person. And what I want to offer to you this morning is that in the eyes of many Christians, people that are away from Jesus are in a spiritual lost and found. We, we know they exist. We hope somehow they're going to find God. But not really much is done to help them find their way so that's one picture. The other picture, if you think about a search and rescue mission, I would argue that as Christians, we need to be involved and be seek and find disciples. That it's not good enough just to identify lost people and hope something happens, but it's stepping forward and doing what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. And we're going to look at the example of those 12 disciples that were sent out to preach the good news of the kingdom, to, to heal, to, to raise the dead, to free people from evil. And to continue on in the ministry, the work of Jesus. That's why we read in Matthew chapter 9, because we see Jesus healing. We see Jesus freeing people from demonic oppression. And then he charges his 12 disciples to go and preach the kingdom and go and heal. And we're going to look at some principles that we need to embrace here in 2022 in the place that we live. Because there are many people around us that are lost and they don't know Jesus. And in most cases, they don't even really know they're lost or, or care. And they need to be found. And God still uses us as his disciples to reach out to them. So really the main truth that I want you to see is that Jesus sends his disciples into the world to proclaim the good news and display God's power. That that's our, our purpose, that we go into the world to spread the good news and be you know, a display of his power at work. And hopefully in the time that we have, we'll see this pictured in the sending out of the 12 disciples. So let's read in verse 1 of chapter 10, and then we'll, we'll pray and, and look at these verses for a few minutes together. Verse 10 starts, And he called to him, his twelve disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these, first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them 
Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without paying. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word that stands true and has stood the test of time. We thank you for the privilege that we have to study it. Thank you for the gift of your word, the gift of your spirit. We thank you that you work through your word and through your spirit to speak to your people. And so, God, we need you to speak to us. Lord, help us to experience you um, and the power of your spirit, the transforming power that not only raises the dead, but also gives new life to those who are spiritually dead. And that you would wake us up and send us out in Jesus' name. Amen. So at the end of Matthew chapter 9, we see Jesus teaching. He's proclaiming the kingdom. He's healing. He speaks to the disciples as he looks out onto the crowd. And he sees people that are harassed and helpless. He describes them as sheep without a shepherd. And then he points out to his disciples that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And then he invites them to pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out his laborers into the harvest. And after Jesus teaches and gives some instructions to his disciples about the harvest, he sends them out into the harvest to to reach out to those who are helpless and harassed and to introduce them to the good shepherd. And so as we look at the 12 disciples this morning and the mission that Jesus gave them, Hopefully we'll see some of the principles that still apply to us today. There's four points in your outline that just help us walk through the verses. The, the first one you'll see there really covers the first five verses, and it's just simply called, empowered, sent out. It's a brief summary of what takes place, that Jesus chooses 12 common men. He lists them by name. You can read that list in Matthew and Mark and Luke. You can find a list in Acts that also includes 11 of those, minus Judas, the one who Matthew identifies as the betrayer. And you see them listed in pairs in verses 2 through 4. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and then Judas. Men who were from different walks of life. They weren't religious leaders. They weren't rabbis of the day. But they had one thing in common. Jesus called them and they 
followed. And after he called out to them, follow me, we see that he granted them authority. These men that had left everything to follow Jesus would now be given kingdom authority from the Lord Jesus. That in his name they would cast out evil spirits. That they would heal the the sick and afflicted. That they would have divine power by God's Spirit to do some of the same things that Jesus had done that we read about just earlier. It was a reminder to me that when Jesus sends someone out, He doesn't send us out unprepared or unequipped. He doesn't leave us to just figure it out on our own. Now, now certainly He asks us to trust in Him, to depend on Him, but He always provides for us exactly what we need. Now, you may notice that these 12 called disciples are, are sent out. And they're, they're recognized as apostles, sent out ones, people that are sent out on a mission. A good definition of an apostle is found. Um, G. Campbell Morgan just says that they're, they're a delegate. They're the, the go-to person that a king sends out to represent them. And in the community and in that business, they only conduct the business of the king. So they're a chosen messenger that speaks on behalf of the king and speaks with the king's authority. And so they're sent out, they're given a task to represent the king. And it's exactly what these twelve are sent out to do. We see that God used many of these men to start and see growth in the early church. You read about it in the book of Acts. Also in Acts, you see that at times other men, Matthias, Barnabas, Apollos, Timothy, Silas, and Epaphroditus are added to the number and referred to as apostles. And the writer of Hebrews even recognizes that Jesus was the one sent from God as an apostle. And so when you hear that word apostles, at least in this sense, think about sent out ones, ambassadors for Christ that have a responsibility to to share the message of salvation. So we could say this is true. If you're a disciple of Jesus, he has sent you out. That the call to be a disciple is never just come and sit. But the call to a disciple is to come and Go along with me. It helps us if we get that in our minds to to think about the church. The church is not just a a place where stuff happens. Certainly things do happen, but that happens in a building. But the church is is made up of people that that gather together for, for worship like we're doing now or in Bible study like we did earlier. But at the end of the hour, they scatter and go into the community to serve and to evangelize. And so I, I thought about this question, you know, just as a group, what would, what would you say? How would you grade us? Are we more known for gathering or are we more known for our, our going? 
you know, certainly our, our gathering together should energize and encourage us to go, but it simply can't be the end of it all that we gather. Or maybe on a more personal note, what, what gets you more excited? Are you more excited about the gathering together or the going? Is it more about the mission or is it more about just being together? And Jesus called those disciples, he gave them authority, and then he, he sent them out. And so you see in the second set of verses, verses 5 through 8, that that sending out, there's a, a, it's go, it's proclaim, and display God's power. Now, certainly Jesus didn't say, all right, men, figure it out for yourselves. Sit down, run out a plan, and just go for it. No, he gave them specific instructions. He told them where to go, but also in this particular story, he told them where not to go. He, he limited their, their focus. He gave them a target for this short-term mission. You see it in verse 5 and 6. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them. Listen to the instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. So he tells them where not to go. And then in verse 6 he tells them, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now there's two reasons really for this. One is, is very practical. The other is more spiritual. The first one, we'll deal with practical first. These are 12 Jewish men. And we know from Scripture that Jews didn't associate with Samaritans and Gentiles were considered unclean. And while God in His infinite plan did have a place for both Samaritans and Gentiles, these 12 disciples were best equipped and probably most ready to minister to people much like themselves. And so that's practical. Spiritually, we know that Scripture teaches us that salvation and judgment are going to be to God's people, the Jews first, then to the Gentile. Paul uses those words in Romans, both in salvation and in judgment. That Jesus was the promised Jewish Messiah sent to the nation of Israel. And God's promise to Abraham that all the people of the earth would be blessed through him would be fulfilled through the Messiah who is Jesus. And God would start with Israel and then all the world would hear the gospel. And so Jesus the Messiah came to reach the lost sheep of Israel with his primary mission in the beginning. Now when you see that lost sheep, it doesn't mean that there were some lost Jewish tribes out there that that God was trying to bring in. It's just a, a general term for those all the Jewish people, all the nation of Israel that were apart from God, that had not received the Messiah. Several references you can look to in Psalm 119, 119 the very last verse um, actually, Psalm 19, verse 76, um, the writer writes, I have gone astray like a sheep. Makes it personal. Isaiah makes it national. All we like sheep have gone astray. And then in Jeremiah, the Lord speaks and says, My people have 
been lost sheep. It's a great picture, you know, that sheep are not that smart. They're prone to wander and they have little hope in life without a shepherd. They need someone to protect them and to lead them safely home. The Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is that good shepherd. Jesus said he lays down his life for his sheep. And even today, in 2022, Jesus still longs for the lost sheep of Israel to, to know him. I'm thankful to the Lord for those, those ministries that continue to reach out and reach to the Jewish people. Because God's not finished with Israel. But he also longs for his other lost sheep to know him as well. Those people that are all around us. Helpless, unable to survive on their own, even though they think they're doing pretty good. Harassed by the world, harassed by their own flesh, harassed by the devil. They're hopeless. They're searching for any little bit of hope they can hold on to, something they can look forward to, and they're hurting, and they need a healer. They need Jesus because they're lost, and they need to be found. So Jesus tells them where to go, but then he tells them what to do. Don't you like that when somebody tells you, this is where you're supposed to go and this is what you're supposed to do? Clear instructions. It's the great thing about God's Word. We don't lack clear instructions. That's why, so I was reading this morning a quote from a friend, you know, I think we need to spend more time considering possibilities and start working toward obedience because God has given us what we need to do. He tells them to proclaim the kingdom wherever they went. It's in verse 7. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Echoing the message. John the Baptist, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Jesus speaking the same words. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Here, you don't have that call to repent. But certainly, in that message of the kingdom, there is a calling to Forsake everything for what the Messiah can bring, what Jesus brings. And he sends them out to the the villages of Galilee to call lost sheep. To change their mind, to repent from their sin and turn to the Savior. And to enter into God's kingdom through faith in Him. So there's that clear call to go and to share the good news. But there's also an encouragement to display God's power. In verse 8, you see Jesus gave them authority and power. Listen to these things. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, and cast out demons. Freely, out of His grace, He gave them the authority and the power to do these things in His name. Not so they could gain a good reputation or a name for themselves, but as an extension of Jesus' ministry, God's power would be declared over sickness, over death, over evil. It would be clear evidence that Jesus was exactly who He said He was, the Messiah. And I love the way C.S. Lewis describes miracles. In fact, he wrote a book called Miracles. And in this book, he says this, Miracles are a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the whole world in letters too large 
for some of us to see. (laughs) Miracles are not merely a display of God's power. Every miracle has a purpose. Small letters of the very same story written across the whole world in letters too large for some of us to see. And God still is in the business of doing miracles. He still heals. He still sets people free from bondage and sin and evil spirits. And when miracles happen, people pay attention. And they point to God's power. And since Jesus freely gave this gift of his authority and his power to the disciples. They didn't do anything to earn it. He encourages them to to serve and to expect nothing in return. Which in turn leads us to the the third principle, that they were to live simply and give generously. It's in verses 8 through 10. That what they had been given was given freely and that they should share it freely with others. It's no surprise if you read through your Bible that God promises to meet all your needs. Old Testament, New Testament, both tells us that God is the perfect provider. Gives good gifts. And Psalm 34 tells us that those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. And so with that reminder of perfect provision, Jesus sends out his disciples around the region of Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee. And he tells them in verses 9 and 10 to not take extra possessions or money. It's funny, um, you think about that. Um, You know, sometimes you will see people that, that travel internationally and they carry everything that they might need because they don't want to leave it behind. And those are, you know, the two, three bag people that, that, you know, that are, are checking, you know, their all their possessions, you know, at the airport and pay an extra. And then you have, on the other hand, the, you know, 23-year-old, I've got a backpack and a guitar, and that's all I need. And they're just going to go spend three months in Europe, you know, with just a backpack, you know, maybe two or three changes of clothes. You know, and why? They're, they're, they're not tied down. They can move freely. They don't have to drag a bunch of bags. And that's kind of the picture that Jesus is giving here. Don't get burdened down by trying to bring a lot of extra stuff. Don't worry about the things. Trust in the Lord to provide what you need because you're going to need to be flexible and be able to move around. In essence, they're on a short-term mission trip to the village of Galilee, in the villages around Galilee. They're not moving there permanently. He sends them out, tells them to rely on the hospitality of others to help them to provide food and shelter. While they're there, they're supposed to, you know, to preach the kingdom, show God's power, and trust God to meet their need through the generosity of others. That's the way God chose to provide. Everything belongs to Him, and if you find those folks that are generous enough to help you out, then take advantage of it. He says the laborer deserves his food in verse 10. Just another reminder that, you know, their their work would not go unnoticed, that God would provide and meet for their needs. But as I was reading through this and thinking about principles, I thought, you know, that when, when my life 
or your life gets weighed down with worry or possessions. It makes it difficult to launch out and do things for God. But there's a, there's a need for us to simplify our life to focus on the most important thing. Learning what is enough so that we can trust the Lord. But it also helps us eliminate distractions and things that, that could drag us down. He gives them a plain and simple mission. He calls them to go simply and not take a bunch of stuff along because their focus would be building relationships, sharing the truth, and serving others by performing miracles. And when we enjoy that freedom in our life, when we learn to trust God to provide, it frees us to serve. Now, the other hand is also true when we are so consumed with trying to meet our own needs and provide, then what we find at the end of the day is a little place for service, little things for time to do things in the name of the Lord. But also, when we learn to trust God to do His work in other people, it frees us up to share the truth about Jesus. What what am I talking about? You know, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I just... hold back from sharing the truth because I'm already convinced that they're either going to bite my head off or they're going to say no and I don't want to be rejected. But when we trust God with the results, then we just have the freedom to go and share and let Him do His work. So there's a call to live simply and be generous, but also the fourth thing you see there is based on that freedom that God will do His work, we should share the truth and trust the Lord. Verses 11 through 15. Jesus shares the reality. This is what it's going to be like when you go out there. He tells the twelve. He tells us today, some people are going to listen and accept. Some people are going to reject. Some people are going to address you favorably. Some people are going to say, get out of here. But no matter result, no matter what the result is, we have to remember that God is still God and He is faithful. And so when a disciple, when an apostle, someone sent out, shares the truth of the gospel, some people will accept the truth. He tells the disciples to go find a place or a town that's worthy. Now what does he mean by that? Someone that's receptive, a place that would welcome them, that would be receptive to the good news. So, you know, it's a place where you, you, know, you get a knock on the door and they are amiable to you they welcome you in they don't say get out of here they don't slam the door in your face those places that would welcome them into their home or their town and as one writer said those who receive the messengers of christ ultimately receive christ himself he tells them to stay with them to Receive hospitality from them. Don't be on the lookout for a better place to stay. Be content where you are. And those places that were worthy should receive the blessing of peace or shalom. It would be the natural greeting of the day. It had a meaning beyond peace. It meant may it be well with you. So they're supposed to find a place that welcomes them. And in that place they would receive the blessing of peace. 
Now, it's logical if you think about it. Somebody that's going to welcome them in, knowing who they represent, Jesus the Messiah, would probably be open to the things of God, to the truth. And so they would receive the blessing. But he also tells us the other side of the coin, that there's going to be some that will reject you. And he describes them as not worthy. Um, it, you have to be careful with these words, worthy and not worthy, um, because it's not value, it's about their receptivity. But he says if you find a place that's not worthy, where you're not welcome, um, then it says, let your peace return to you. Again, another strange kind of statement if we think about it purely in our own terms. But if you think about it, just imagine you go to a birthday party. You bring a gift, you wrap a gift, and you set it down there, and, and all of a sudden they pick up the gift, like, oh, that's from Rusty. I don't really want that. And they set it back on the table. Well, I don't know about you, but I'd take my gift and go. Okay, they don't want my gift. I'll take my, I'll either keep it or get my money back. And so as um, one person said, you know, if, you're, if your peace finds a shut door in, the, in any household, take it back for yourselves. Because you know how to value it. And so, you know, you think about that in context of how is that going to work, you know, in 2022, we're not going and staying in people's houses um, for long terms unless we go on, you know, some sort of mission trip, but... You think about you start a relationship, somebody's open to, you know, the gospel, and you spend time there, you invest, you share things of the kingdom, you bless them. But then you run up to that person that just, boy, they're, they're immediately just no, no, no. And you could really frustrate that person and frustrate yourself by continuing on, continuing on, and continuing on, you know, and it might end ugly, and they might just walk away, or they might not ever talk to you again. Um. But, you know, we could get, you could get frustrated, mad, well, fine, I'm done with you. But I think the picture here is not something of, you know, it's not a prideful move. You know, well, you don't want this, I'm just going to keep it for myself. No, I think it's more of, you know, a practical warning from Jesus that, you know, we, we share openly, but we invest where people are interested and if someone's not interested after we share then you know we continue to pray for that person and love that person but we don't continue to just you know beat the door down hoping something will happen we trust god to do that and those that reject messengers followers of jesus ultimately you know there there's a rejection of jesus him himself and jesus tells them very Openly, that those who reject will be judged for their response, their rejection, and they're going to be in a better, the worse off condition than Sodom and Gomorrah. But I think these verses, both people, knowing that people are going to receive us and people are going to reject us, you know, give us the guardrails to operate in where we continue to pray, we continue to share, and then we, we just trust the results to, to God knowing that He desires for no one to perish. He knows that people will both receive and reject, that He's given us the call to go, the good news to take with us, and He wants to show His power through us. 
And I was thinking about this verse. It's 2 Corinthians 5.20. Paul just says, we are, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That you know, we're, we're called to go to the lost, to be ambassadors for Christ, trusting in God to do the work. And Jesus sent those 12 disciples into Galilee to speak of the kingdom to those lost sheep of Israel. They started where they were. They lived in Galilee. They spoke to the people they knew, the people of Israel, and they took that gospel, the good news, to the Jewish people first, but later those same disciples would be involved in God's plan to share the good news with all the world. The Gentiles from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And today, Jesus still sends his disciples, us, into the world to proclaim the good news and display his power. Jesus sent out these twelve with a charge. He sends out his messengers today with another commission. You can read it at the end of Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20. Some of you probably are very familiar with it. Jesus came and said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on the earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That in the name of Jesus with His authority, His backing, we go to the world to make disciples and, and baptize those in the name of Jesus, to teach them how to follow Jesus and to trust that His presence would be with us along the way. But along with that great commission, we also have that great commandment that Jesus speaks about in Matthew 22, that we should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he goes on, and the second is like to this. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Loving our neighbor and sharing the truth when God gives opportunity. It doesn't matter if you wrap it up, you know, in, a, in an emphasis and give it a title like who's your one, whatever name, um, you know, a million more and 54 or all the different years, 64, 74, the different campaigns that Baptist churches have led about evangelism. It doesn't matter the, the wrapping you put around it. There's a call from Jesus to go to the lost sheep all around us. They're distressed. People are full of stress. Dejected, sad, hopeless, helpless. Why? Because they don't have a shepherd, someone to guide them. They don't have a, a thing, something to, to call Savior. And so while Jesus sent out his disciples to Galilee, we go to the lost sheep that are in Burleson, Joshua, Alvarado, Crowley, Keene, Fort Worth, Texas, the United States, and ultimately the world. And we join in God's wonderful search and rescue mission. Let me give you three things that are essential, things we need, and then we're going to pray and be done. 
Now, what do we need? If this is going to happen in me and you, what do we need? We need the heart of Jesus for the lost. It starts with a personal relationship, but then we need that heart of compassion that goes after, that prays for, and that reaches out to those that are lost. We need that heart. And that word heart can only come through the second, the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. His love is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has given us. His Spirit gives us the power and the boldness that we, we need. We need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's better than any program or emphasis. And then finally, the third thing is we just need simple, humble obedience to step up and do what we know to do. And that's say yes and, and go. Around, across the street and around the world, we go in the name of Jesus. We go to the lost. Because Jesus came to us. And we want to see others find him as well. We pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we are thankful that you're good and that you always are good and that you speak your truth clearly and without any confusion. And so we're confident that through the imperfection of human words and the confusion of language that your voice speaks clear and true by your spirit and by your word. So speak to hearts, speak to me and speak to them. Lord, help us to see that our mission is clear. Your presence is enough. And the situation is urgent. There's no time to waste. Lord, send us to the lost. And if we're already going, help us to keep going with renewed energy and with passion. Lord, we want to see lost people found, hurting people healed, hopeless people find hope, see families and relationships restored, rebuilt, giving glory to you. So we thank you, Lord, for your goodness for your truth and we thank you for jesus we pray in his name amen we're going to sing in just a moment we usually do when we conclude our our service and i think you know there's many things that you could focus on um but mainly it's, it's just if you're thinking about this message it's asking god you know god give me your heart for the lost your Holy Spirit power to do what you called me to do and then help me just just step up and say yes. Not just today, but tomorrow and the day after and the day after. Maybe the over the time, Lord, the continuing pattern of my life would be to say yes to you first and trust everything else to come second. Maybe there's just a burden on your heart. Maybe it's a you know, it's something you're carrying and you, you need to lay it down. The front's open, the altar's open, I'll be here to pray. Or maybe there's a burden you're carrying for someone else that you need to lift up in prayer. Today is the day that you can do that. Maybe God's 
working in your heart and you're, you've decided, you know, this, is, this needs to be home base for me. This is where God wants me to, to, call, to call home and to serve. And, and today you could do that or maybe for the first time, maybe you thought, gosh, you know, he mentioned somebody being a lost sheep and I think that might be me and I want to find a way home. I want to meet Jesus. And today you can do that through trust and faith in him. We join me in standing. We're going to sing as we sing. Just respond as the Lord leads. seated for just a second. Um, just wanted to take time before we before we depart this morning to to pray again um, as a church family for for Bob um, Williamson. Um, he's still in Harris Hospital and he has a procedure scheduled for tomorrow. And um, you know certainly the the well wishes and the messages that you send are very um, encouraging and I encourage you to continue those or visit as you have opportunity, but also we want to 
lift him up in prayer as a church family together before we leave. So um, you can stay where you're at and join in prayer, but Ken, if you would be willing and available, Ken, would you mind just voicing a prayer for, for Bob over Father, we just come this this afternoon just recognizing that you are the one true God, the creator of all things in the heavens and the earth and all that is within the earth. And Father, that creation also includes our beloved brother, Bob. And Father, as... He goes through this next few days. Father, first of all, we want to pray for your healing hand to be upon him. And Father, we want to pray that you would guide all those that are caring for him. from the people that are just cleaning the room to the people that will be performing this procedure. Father, we just pray that your spirit would be upon them and that you would guide their hands and their hearts and their minds. But Father, we also lift up Bob to you Father, that he would gain encouragement from you, whether it's through your word, through a phone call from a friend. Father, he might feel your presence right now as we are praying for him. And Father, we ask that you bless him mightily now with your spirit and that he would have the knowledge and the understanding that you are with him. Father, that he is yours and you are his. We thank you for our dear brother. And we do pray for him now. For a successful procedure and that he would be able to join us once again to serve you, to praise you, and to worship you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Ken. I want to invite you all to just join standing together. It's, it's always a, a wonderful pleasure to be among God's people in the presence of the Lord. And, and so I just pray that as you go today, the Lord would bless you, whether you're, you're relaxing or whether you're napping or eating, whether you're coming or whether you're going, the Lord's presence will be with you and that you would experience Him um, in His fullness. Um, and whatever you're doing, we shall we'll sing a song, um, as we usually do, and when we start to sing, you're, you're dismissed. The Lord bless you. I belong to God.